I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Isaiah, bind up the testimony, seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. See, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. Now if people say to you, consult the ghosts and the familiar spirits that chirp and mutter, should not a people consult their gods, the dead on behalf of the living, for teaching and for instruction? Surely those who speak like this will have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. When they are hungry, they will be enraged and will curse their king and their gods. They will turn their faces upward or they will look to the earth, but will see only distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore.
The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. A few years ago, um, it's been quite a few years ago now, I was working as the young adult director um, at my aunt's church. My aunt was the pastor of a church, and that's where I first received my call into ministry. She, I know you're not like, that's weird to work for your family, but my aunt was the pastor of this church in Virginia Beach. She asked me if I would like to come on staff as the young adult director of this church for those who are 18 to, to 30-ish in age. And from that, I sensed a call. I felt since God calling me and out of teaching and into to ministry. But while I was there, um, they had in this area of Virginia Beach, um, they had this tree lighting that happened every year. Uh, and she had done it every year. They called, it's, they're the big church in town. They called a pastor and say, would you do the invocation for this big community tree lighting? And every year she went. And so I was on staff and she knew that I was starting to wrestle with maybe whether I wanted to be a pastor. And she said, you know, maybe they would like to see a young face there. So I'm going to throw you out to that event. Um, she's also an introvert and like crowd, she hates crowds. And so there's lots of other reasons probably why she threw me out to that event. But, um, you know, kids swarming around, there's Santa Claus. It's much like Christmas at Knolls, the candlelight Christmas we will have next week, um, except she's doing the opening prayer, except this time it's me. And I know nothing, but I know that like Advent is important. I have not been to seminary and and yet, but like so I you know I've learned from her enough and trying to be this super um, theologically deep person. I get up there to give the prayer at this event with hundreds of people, and I do the thank you God for these people gathered here today, and then and then I I get to a point in the prayer where I say something like. Um, Holy Spirit, come over these, your people, uh, in our dark and broken and longing lives. Set us free from all the, <laughs> and, I, and I look up, amen, and I look up and nobody is with me. I mean, like, <laughs> like <laughs> that is not what we called you here for. <laughs> Uh, I hadn't quite, obviously, you had a seminary and then you learn the difference between being theologically profound and being relevant to your community and all that kind of stuff. I hadn't learned that at all. I didn't know the importance of that. And so Fran and I are walking back from this event <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I did a good job. Yeah, no, you totally blew it. <laughs> like, I don't think, I don't think they're going to be in wanting the young pastor to come back to this event anymore. Um, but the, the Christmas season for us is this odd mashup between the reality of our world that we face and the jingle bell rock kind of season that we're in. And, and we can hold these things, I think, in three, in three different ways. There's three different ways we can do this. One, we can sort of bah humbug our way through it all. We can say that all of this around us is just fake and sentimentalized, and, and uh, it's all about consumerism, and, and, and you're just trying to make me feel better about the horrible world that we're in, and so I reject all of it. We could do that. That's a choice we could make. The, the second option could be we could 
We could make the extreme opposite choice, which is, okay, things are hard, um, and you know, I'm buying gifts, and I know that this credit card I'm putting these gifts on, I won't even have it paid off until the following year, and that just, that creates so much anxiety in me that I would rather just forget all of this that is happening, and so I'm going to allow Christmas to be an escape, and everything is wonderful and sparkly and tinselly, and, um, and we use Christmas as an opportunity to numb whatever pain we have in life. It's like a reprieve for us. We pretend for a month that all this junk doesn't exist, that we're not going deeper into debt because of this Christmas. They did a study recently um, that said that people who listen to, the earlier you listen to Christmas music in the year, uh, it turns out you're more depressed, which I think this, this study makes no sense to me. Like, No, the reason is that people who are depressed listen to Christmas music earlier, right? Because it gives us an escape. That makes more sense to me. I actually think that in between those two possibilities of, of, of bah humbug and escaping with Christmas, Advent becomes that third option. Advent is this season historically in the life of the church where we pay attention to God with with this sense of hope and waiting expectantly. Advent, Advent, the word Advent means arrival. We anticipate the arrival, and it's not just to look back at the arrival of Jesus, but but it's with anticipation to this, this future this future God who comes in the reign of Christ, at some point in time, God is going to return to the earth and put everything back the way it's supposed to be. And we call this shalom. That's what, that's what the Hebrew word shalom means, that God created the world not just in a particular way, but to also work together in a particular way. Shalom, bring, bring peace, which means harmony and flourishing, things working together as they were intended to be. And when creation is broken, one of the great hopes we have in the church is that Christ will return not to destroy and make things worse in the world, but to restore and make creation and all within it whole again. And so that's what we live out in Advent, to be that new creation, to bring and restore the shalom to our world and to our hearts. That's the tension we sit in at Christmas during this Advent season. And, and I think that that's who we have to be, and it's who we have to offer to everyone we meet during this, what we have to offer to everyone we meet during this season. A people who can rightly point to the things that aren't working in this world to the broken places, not to cover it over with Christmas or to ignore it um, with jingle bells, but to say no. This season, this season exists because even in the midst of our brokenness, we still have hope. That's our job. That's our task as the church in the world today is to pay attention to this. This season of Advent, we're, we're going to work our way through this hymn that you sang a few minutes ago, and that you will sing a whole lot more later on. Um, this hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Have you ever paid attention to these lyrics? Born to set thy people free. There is nothing shiny in that. <laughs> From our fears and sins, really, we're supposed to be talking about fears and sins and, at Christmas. Let us find our rest in you. Okay, the rest part, yes, like baby in the manger, peaceful, I get that. 
But this is the, this is the hymn that we are going to, to order ourselves around this season. And one of the things I've discovered when reading back through that poem and preparing for this season is that um, <laughs> we as the church uh, tend to think that this is something super unique that we have to offer to the world, uh, this, this kind of um, guttural cry out to God. Um, but as if, the, as if the Christian church today are the first in all of history to cry out to God and ask God to intervene in our lives, I, I, there's a long history of people who have been crying out to God. And in Advent, I think that we get a chance to hear in the, world's, in the, in the words of Scripture this prophetic echo that has existed throughout all of time and God's response in reminding us that we are not alone. Reminding us that God has chosen to care for us and be with us in spite of all the things we see. One of the passages that we read every other year almost in the season of Advent is Isaiah chapter 9. So I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 9 together. I'm going to go back to the beginning of this. Um, these words are from our Christian understanding uh, as a birth announcement for Jesus. Um, I, I have a friend who actually will be coming to preach next Sunday here at Kingstown. Please be a, be a part of it. Um, it's my best friend, so come hear my best friend preach. Uh, and she's kind of known for like not given a care about whatever expectations the world has for like new moms and whatever like whatever you're supposed to do and so like while everybody's sending the black and white birth announcements like the cute little like within a month like she's just like I, I have no need for that and so like one year she she she, she sent the birth announcement um like like two years later just to like just to like poke fun at the at the tradition she's kind of known for that so like she's not she's she hates pinterest she she can't she her her children's birthday parties are at like a brewery with a cake you know like that that's her she just doesn't do any of the fluff she's known for that and so when i think about birth announcements i think a little bit of her um and and the way she kind of bucks against them. But Isaiah, um, this is Isaiah's birth announcement for Jesus in our Christian understanding. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish and the former, oh, actually, I think that's on the, sec- the next one. Oh, there we go. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish and the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and have increased its joy. They rejoice before you with joy at the harvest. As people exalt when dividing plunder, for the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the raw of the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. And for the boots of the trample, the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born. Hey, black and white announcement. 
For a child has been born, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and his authority shall grow continually, and there will be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom, and he will establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness. Like This is Jesus' birth announcement. It's like the greatest birth announcement of all time. Can you imagine being this kid? Don't worry, you just have to be like a wonderful counselor and also an everlasting father and also a prince of peace. You know, don't worry, that's all you got to be. We hear this text every year in in the Advent season and it is our tendency as the church to hear the word as a prophetic word. For Jesus, The church does this often, describing just who Jesus will be. But really, these words have existed for a long, long time. In fact, Isaiah very likely didn't write them, but is actually quoting them from another whole time before him in a whole other context. Here's how we assume it went down. Isaiah was writing in the 700s BC at this point in time, but before that, it's very likely that these words were used at the coronation of a king for a child that was born in the lineage of King David. King David, you might remember, is like the greatest king Israel has ever known. Um, when, when David was king, the nation was more prosperous than it had ever been, more mighty than it had ever been. And after King David, like all hell broke loose. Nothing was, was ordered anymore. The people were unfaithful um, because David, though he was not perfect, was a man after God's own heart. He called the nation to faithfulness and they believed and they knew the presence of God was with them. But as their faithfulness waned over time, as they began to trust only in their own ability to rule and their own ability to protect themselves, things started to run ragged for this nation. And so prophets were born to speak back to that, to say we need to come back to a place of faithfulness the nation began to ask God, where did God go? I can't find God anywhere. Has God left us alone? Are, are, we, are we in this by ourselves? And a child was born in the lineage of King David, and at that child's birth, this hymn is, is proclaimed. Ah, our hope is restored. Wonderful counselor, <laughs> prince of peace. Maybe, just maybe, God has not left us alone. Maybe, um, maybe the gift of this child is the way God will bring us back to faithfulness. We have this hope now, thank God, because we have this good king that can call us forward again. And then Isaiah, about 100 to 300 years later, they're not exactly sure, is now quoting this hymn. And Isaiah is listening back to the story of Isaiah's people, and saying, we've fallen away again. God, we need, we need a word of hope now, again in my time. And when Isaiah was writing, there, there was this war 
that had just taken place, the Syrian, Syrian Ephraimaic War, you can go Google it later if you'd like, um, around 736 BC, and there were these two regions in Israel, and the king at the time was Arab, and, and, and he, he was the worst king that, that ever, ever reigned in Israel, and he gave their land away to an invading power, and in this one battle, 100,000 troops were killed in one day, sons and and, and fathers and husbands, even the king's son was killed that day. And it would be easy in that moment to say all is lost. God does not care about us. God does not care at all anymore. And Isaiah says, but wait, but wait. We cannot believe that God has left us. That's not, that's not who we know God to be. We know this. In fact, I've got a song to sing to you, a song that was sung long before me, a song that Jesus then again sings that was sung long before him. And he sings this hymn from the coronation of this king, the same hymn we just sang here. Let me, let me put it in context, though. We're going to go back to the very beginning of the scripture. This is where Isaiah, Isaiah helps begin to put that hymn, that, that grand, wonderful counselor. We have a hope bigger than ourselves. He puts, it in, he puts it in context and prefaces with this. Bind up the testimony and seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. See, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. Now if people say to you, consult the ghosts and familiar spirits that chirp and mutter, should not a people consult their gods, the dead on behalf of the living for teaching and for instruction? Surely those who speak like this will have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed with hunger. But there will be no gloom for those who trust in the hope that is to come. God's not going to leave us. God's not going to give us a new king. God is going to, God is going to send us an even better king than we could have ever imagined. For those who sit in darkness, a great light has come. For those who sat in darkness at the time of, of, of the reigning kings where they had gone astray after the leadership of David, for them, a light has come. For those who sat in darkness at, at the, looking upon the, the desolation of 100,000 of soldiers killed, for them, a light has come. And for us, who sit in darkness now, who, man, there are so many things to be outraged about, right? For us, a hope has come. This is the Advent reminder that Isaiah sings over us every time we gather. Even though we see the brokenness in our lives and see the hurt in our world, God has never left us alone. This hymn is not just for us. This hymn was for the people of Isaiah. This, this hymn was for the people of King David. When Jesus was born, the theologians looked back on this same hymn and said, This is good news. But this is good news in a completely different way, they said. Two different reasons. Two different reasons for why this is good news, why the good news of Jesus is different than, than this being good news for Isaiah or this being good news for King David. 
in these stories, there's a difference between proximity and presence. For example, that's number one. There's a difference between proximity and presence. Jesus offers us his presence. Those kings were just coming near to a people who needed somebody to come into their midst be in proximity to them to offer them protection and strength. And so I, it, this reminds me of, you know, I'm, I'm currently, I've got like a week and a half remaining of, of finishing up my ordination papers and I'm going to finish them and they're going to be, I'm, I'm can't wait, can't wait to send them off. But um, I'm away from the house a whole lot more because I can't do work at home. And I, I get to a point where I come home because uh, my my cat and my dog, they, they really want me to be in proximity to them, right? Like there's a point in the day, if you're a parent and you know this from, from, from your children, there's a point where you need, to, be, you need to, to show up. You've been away and you need to show up and you can feel the angst from them of you not being around lately. I can feel the angst from my pets of me not being around. And so I need to show up and I need to be in their midst. And they love it when I'm in their midst. But my brain is consumed consumed with what next question I need to answer in my papers and when I'm going to, to order my life to get that done in comparison to all that's left to be done in the life of the church. And so I'm in proximity to them, but I'm not present with them. The difference that this, the, 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 this, this um, birth announcement has in our lives for Jesus is that Jesus doesn't just offer us the proximity of a new king that will rule and reign. It doesn't, Jesus doesn't just offer the proximity of, of, of in Isaiah's time, of someone who will come in and bind, bind the wounds of, 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 of broken soldiers and those who need healing to, to encourage a nation forward that has seen 100,000 soldiers die in one day. Jesus offers this sustaining presence that is so different from just proximity. And so this birth announcement was turned on its head when Jesus was born. Turned on its head. The other thing to know about, about this is this whole passage is about setting people free, setting people, the world free from corruption, from, from, from reigning kings that are just taking land and giving it to those who don't deserve it. We're, we need to be set free from the brokenness of our world. But the thing that Jesus does that not, no one else could ever do is, is that Jesus says, I get that you're longing for, for, for the, our political system to be changed. I get that you're longing for, for our economic world to be changed. I get that you're longing for, um, for this consumeristic mentality to be changed. But, but you're using all that as a distraction when I'm sitting here trying to, to change you. I'm sitting here trying to, to set you free. You, you want all this else to, you want all this to be, to be fixed. But what about you? How, how, how are you being set free? Only, only the peace and presence of Jesus Christ can enter into our deepest places, the places we will never share with anyone else to set us free. And so let this birth announcement today, this birth announcement in Isaiah that, that proves to us that people have been longing for this Jesus for so long, let this birth announcement get to you. Let it be an opportunity for you to create a space of hospitality for this king to be born in your heart to set you free before any other systems are right, righted. As the band comes forward, let us pray. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set your people free.
God, we long for your presence, not just you to come close to us um, and do your work in the world around us to set things right. We long for you to come and, and be near, to take up residence, to set up, set up your manger in our hearts. We, we, we long today, God, and we ask for your forgiveness for every way we have, we have made you fixing everything around us, setting right, setting free the world from its injustice and oppression. And we ask that you would take up residence in us to set us free. That's a hard request. It's so much easier for you to be the distant God who takes care of all the mess around us. But God, take care of our mess today. We lift up those people for for whom this season is especially difficult. Because they've lost a loved one, because because they don't know if, if this may be their last Christmas. We offer them to you, set them free from the fear from the, the loneliness, from the sadness that, that binds them up. And we join together, God, in that, in that beautiful prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.